Welcome to Grace Abounds. I'm Pastor Jen Shaw, and this month we're doing something a bit different. I'll be answering the questions you send in. Questions about the Christian faith, the church, the Bible, anything you may have always wondered about but never asked. Email your questions to pastor at stjohnslutheran.church. I look forward to hearing from you, and I hope these words build you up in faith, hope, and love. One gospel reading before we dive into that question, which I think, I hope, helps illuminate part of the reason behind this is because we are called by our Lord to continue to grow and to change and to be transformed and to learn ever more who God is and who we are as God's beloved children. And these are the words of Jesus to his disciples during the Last Supper when he is preparing them for his death resurrection and ascension into heaven when he will still be with them but be with them in a different way be with them in the way he is with us in his ongoing presence and this is what Jesus says to his followers I still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own but he will speak whatever he hears And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So this all rests in the trust that the Holy Spirit continues to reveal the love and the truth and the grace of God to us. So the question is, please explain the afterlife (laughs) and what we should be anticipating and all who will be there. Surprised that we made it through the gate. Please explain the afterlife and what we should anticipate and all who will be there. So again, enter this question with humility. I'm reminded of a church billboard that reads, you just love them, I'll sort it out, God. So (laughs) I'm going to start from that place. There's a lot of mystery here. There's a lot we don't know. Uh, but I believe we do know the grace of God. So, I would say to that first part, please explain the afterlife and what we should be anticipating. I bow before the mystery. Uh, I don't really know. I think we know that um, sin and suffering and death will be no more. We know that we will be at home with the Lord and our loved ones. We know that it will be good and joyous and amazing I think we know those things. What that actually looks like, I don't know that we know. I, don't, I wouldn't claim that I know. I do like Dallas Willard's vision that he gives in his writings, that it will be a place where we will be engaged in beautiful, creative, productive work that is not work, but is joy, making beautiful things uh, to the glory of God and, and for the good of others, and I think that's a lovely vision. But I also hold in my heart the words of the very wise C.S. Lewis, who in letters to Malcolm, letters on prayer, he writes that obviously believing in heaven and that we will be in heaven, not knowing what it's like, he says, guesses only guesses. If they're not right, something better will be. So I hold to that. I don't know exactly what it will be like, but I know that it will be, and I know that it will be good. And I know that we will be with all the people that we love. 
If you listen to my sermons, you hear me say all a lot when I talk about the grace of God and the salvation of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, and that is intentional. So let me articulate that and who all will be there part. And I'm going to tread lightly here because there are some very different understandings of the answer to that question, certainly within the Christian tradition. I'm also aware that the way I answer this question could raise a whole lot of other questions, which I am more than welcome to hear. So if it does for you, please reach out, call me, email me. If you've got follow-up questions, they might even make it in the message next time, but I will certainly respond to you personally and have that conversation. And also acknowledging that we, you know, there is the possibility of erring, where to err is human, to forgive is divine. So I think those who know me know that I am always going to hope and intend to err on the side of forgiveness and grace and love and all of those wonderful fruit of the Spirit. That said, there are many, many Christians over many, many years who believe that not everybody gets into heaven. That there are people, a great many people, depending on which Christian you ask, who will be in hell. Even though the word hell, as we understand it today, is not actually found in the Bible. It's words like the Hebrew word Sheol, or the Greek word Hades, which simply mean the place of the dead, where everybody goes when they die. Or when Jesus talks about Gehenna which was a dumpster fire outside of Jerusalem. Those are the actual words that sometimes, in some translations, get translated as hell. There are Christians who believe that God will send, or at the least abandon, his beloved children to eternal torment. But there are other Christians, myself included, and many, many in the long tradition of Christianity, going back all the way to the early church fathers, especially in the Eastern Christian tradition, up to today, people like, and you will hear me quote them, Richard Rohr and Rob Bell and Brian Zund, who believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior, the Savior. Please hear me clearly on this. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the only Savior of the world. Jesus is Lord. Yes. And Jesus Christ is working in the lives of all people for their salvation in ways beyond my limitations and understandings. My friends, I don't think this life is our only opportunity to meet Jesus. I think God is bigger than that. I think Jesus is bigger than that. I think the Spirit is bigger than that. And, and that frankly addresses the question which, you, which I've heard. Well, what about the people who, who never heard about Jesus? What about the people who were born before Jesus came? What about them? I think they get the opportunity to meet Jesus. And here's what I believe. I think we all get the opportunity to meet Jesus. And when we do, we will meet a God who is gracious and merciful, and abounding in steadfast love. We will all meet a God who never, ever, ever gives up on any of us. 
Our lectionary reading for today was going to be the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin that leads into the parable of the prodigal son. And in those parables, the shepherd who seeks out the one sheep, the woman who seeks out the one coin, the father who welcomes with open arms both of his, both of his prodigal sons, the prodigal son who went away and the prodigal son who stayed and was very uncharitable in his saying, the God who welcomes and seeks always those who are lost, the sinners, which, by the way, is all of us, right? We're all sinners saved by grace. We will know the God who is with us always, who loves us, as I often say, without condition, without condition, without fail, and without end. The Apostle Paul writes it in that beautiful, well-known passage in 1 Corinthians 13, love never ends. Love never ends. The God who welcomes us into our heavenly home, which is described in Revelation 21, talking about that, that vision of the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem. That is a city, Revelation 21 declares, where the gates are never shut. Surprised we made it through those gates. Those gates are never shut in the vision in Revelation. I just want to be clear, this is also not to downplay the destructive nature of sin. We see in our world, we experience in our lives, the consequences of sin. The heartbreak that happens when we fail to love God with our whole being and love our neighbors as ourselves, when we fail to live as our good and gracious creator intends, when we speak and act in, in hurtful and destructive and painful ways that I believe do grieve God. There are scholars who would put it this way, that when we talk about hell, we can, of our own free will, in many ways, create hell on earth in how we treat each other. And I think we've all seen and experienced evidence of that. I want to read how Pastor Brian Zond puts this in his book, Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God. That's a, that is the takeoff of a very famous Jonathan Edwards uh, sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He says, Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God. And here's what he says, referring back to some of those early church fathers that I mentioned earlier. The important early church father, John Chrysostom, says, It is not God who is hostile, but we, for God is never hostile. St. Anthony of St. Anthony puts it this way of God. He is good, and he only bestows blessings and never does harm. Thus, to say that God turns away from the wicked is like saying that the sun hides itself from the blind. God is love. As sinners, we are sinners in the hands of a loving God. God has a single disposition towards sinners, that of unconditional, unwavering love. From the heart of God, there flows an eternal river of fire, the fire of unquenchable love. The question is not whether God loves us, but how we respond to God's love. To those who respond to God's love with love, 
We love because he first loved us. The river of fire is a source of warmth and light. But to those who refuse to love, this same river of fire produces torment. That's how Pastor Brian discusses hell. But here's the thing. I don't believe that the hell we can create on earth is more powerful or more lasting than the heaven that God has created for us. We are all sinners saved by grace. Our sin will not enter heaven. Let me be clear. (laughs) There will be no sin or suffering or death. But we will. I believe. Not as we are presently. Again, we are all sinners saved by grace. But as God, our creator, made and intends for us to be. Pastor Brian refers to 1 John Here are the words of 1 John 3, 1 through 2. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it does not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him for we will see him as he is. God will destroy our destructive behavior, but I don't believe God will destroy any of us. Here's what the author of 1 John says in the next chapter, 4, 14 through 19. God, oh, God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God. And God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. My friends, what is hell if not the fear of punishment? The fear of punishment that perfect love casts out. You may hear some passion in my voice because this is personal for me. As many of you know, I grew up in a Pentecostal Assemblies of God tradition People I dearly love. It was a beautiful experience. I learned all about Jesus there. And a lot of this did not come from the Reverend Joseph Ferrani, who is now home with the Lord, a dear, sweet man of God. But there was, there was in those circles a lot of hellfire and brimstone. I had conversations with people debating whether or not if you said a bad word and then walked out in the street and got hit by a bus and died, you would go to hell. I had conversations like that. And it put a great deal of fear in me. I I think if you're terrified of hell, it, it can't help but make you a little terrified of the God who would send or allow somebody to go to hell. It's existential. It was for me. And I think, by the way, it was for Martin Luther. 
Martin Luther explicitly said he suffered from what he called a terrified conscience. He knew he was a sinner. He knew he couldn't make himself good enough for God. He knew he couldn't earn God's grace. And that really scared him. Until that beautiful moment when grace found him. Like grace found me. Oh, I don't have to worry about it. Christ accomplished my salvation, our salvation, salvation. God's got me and everybody I love and everybody I know and everybody in his steady, loving hands. I'll tell a story um, when I was an intern at Sierra Vista Evangelical Lutheran Church. The church did a worship service for a rest home on Sunday afternoons. And one day I was there and I was in my collar. I was there as a pastoral presence and there was a woman who I didn't know, I just met and we were talking before the service started and she started to share with me her fear, her grief, that her recently deceased husband was not in heaven. She was worried that he wasn't good enough to get into heaven. And she said to me, Do you think he's in heaven? And I said, yes. Yes, yes. I didn't know her. I didn't know him. But I said with a clear conscience and a full heart, yes. And she started weeping. She was so relieved. That's the grace of God. God is unconditionally, unfailing, unendingly loving It's why I can say, as I often do, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Here's what Paul writes in Romans 8, and this was a big deal for me. This is a verse that gives me a lot of hope, and it was an important verse in my own wrestling with my own fear about salvation. Here's the end of Romans 8. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, not even death, will separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's what Paul writes in Philippians 2, talking about our Lord Jesus Christ who emptied himself and joined with us in our humanity and suffered with us and died and rose again. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee, should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. My dad, who is now at home with the Lord, who I look forward to one day seeing again, He used to quote John 12, 32 a lot. 
Jesus saying, if I am lifted up, lifted up on the cross, lifted up in his glorious death and sin and evil defeating resurrection, lifted up in his ascension, lifted up in glory with God, preparing a place for us there. If I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. I will draw all people to myself. I believe that the grace of Jesus Christ is more powerful and more lasting than any human sin. I believe that goodness ultimately is stronger than evil and life ultimately is stronger than death. I believe Jesus Christ is the Savior, a Savior so mighty, so great, so loving, that he will, in the fullness of time and in ways beyond our understanding, draw all people to himself. I'll end with this. We were having this conversation once, at a class at Fuller Seminary when I was there. And finally someone said, I think a little bit in frustration, because we were actually talking about evangelism. Well, why tell people about Jesus if there is no hell? Why tell people about Jesus if there is no hell? My friends, I don't need the fear of hell to tell people about Jesus. I need the love of Jesus to tell people about Jesus. I believe that knowing Jesus Christ is the best possible life. And I want as many people to know Jesus as soon as possible. And the more people who know Jesus, who follow Jesus who actually live in the here and now as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ taught us and showed us, the better this world will be. Amen. Thanks for listening. Each week's episode is edited by Nick Cox. Music performed by our St. John's Worship Band. Sermons by me, Pastor Jen Shaw. Make sure to subscribe to hear each week's message. If you'd like to know more about St. John's mission to know Christ and make Christ known, to share the life-giving word and do the life-giving work of Jesus, visit our website, stjohnslutheran.church. May God bless you on this day and in all the days ahead.